Well, hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby. And your co-host, Lexi. And this is Oddities on Elm Street. Welcome back. Hello. Episode 37. <laughs> I sincerely apologize for skipping out on everyone last week but we're back and i'm so glad we're back and healthy yeah we were having some tummy trouble <laughs> no i think i like way overdid it with my freaking sinex because i <laughs> like literally <laughs> drugs <laughs> it was like withdrawing <laughs> I could not stop blowing my nose. For the you know, it was what? just constant draining. It's a real thing, though. I, I was out. addicted to nasal spray. I was, yeah. You're only supposed to do it uh, so often. Really? There's like a limit. Yeah, That's which sucks. I was absolutely not following. <laughs> like, <laughs> I bet you will now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, God, what do we have going on? Like if I know. You got a morbid tidbit, hmm? I do. Okay, so morbid tidbit. Let's do this. Uh, it took place back in 2013. There was a 82-year-old Colombian woman went to the doctor complaining of stomach pain. How fitting. <laughs> How fitting. How fitting that yeah, the you, stomach it just, pain. Oh, no, the it just, stomach. Yeah, but you didn't plan it. Mm. Wow. No, and I, I wrote this before. Look at you go. I know. So, doctors, you know, they thought she just had, like, a stomach bug, whatever. And so they did some scans. And they realized that she had actually been unknowingly carrying a fetus inside of her abdomen for 40 years. Um. That's my new worst fear. So... The fetus grew outside of her womb. What is that? In her abdomen. That's a thing that happens. I didn't know this, but I guess I guess it is. Do you not feel like this lump growing on the side of you, like, bro? Uh, fuck if I know. Um, so yeah, obviously, like you can't grow a baby there in your actual belly, so it became calcified. Oh my so Lord. she's essentially carrying a round like a mummified fetus for that entire time. So doctors explained and said that basically the fetus gets to an advanced stage and once it's too large for the woman's body to absorb it, the remains of the unborn baby literally turn to stone to protect your body from being infected by the decomposing tissue of the fetus. How fucking crazy is that? I'm... I don't like it. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I don't... I mean, it's a pretty rare thing to happen. I was reading that there's, like, less than 300 cases reported. But... 40 years? That's a, that's yeah, well, a long time. There was another woman. She was a 92-year-old. Oh, my word. She was carrying a mummified fetus for 60 years. Like, I don't know how you don't know that unless you just don't well, ever go to the doctor. <laughs> well, or, you know, if it happened a while ago, 
Like the doctor's probably like, oh, you're just fucking on your period. Fine. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's so, it's so crazy that our bodies are oh, so weird. That makes me uncomfortable. <sighs> yeah, I'm not a fan. All right, so we're going to cover the case of Carla Brown today. Did you get a chance to look into it? A little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd not heard of it before. Me neither, but I actually saw it on, there's, I think it's new, it's like a new series called Body in the Basement hmm. on Discovery Plus, and my mom was watching it, and I kind of overheard it. You're like, mm. I was like, mm, interesting, and so then I kind of heard some of the details from the Carla Brown case and looked into it, and I was like, ooh, this would be a good one to talk about. Yeah. So we're going to talk about it. Nice. All right, so... In the early evening hours of June 21st, 1978, Mark Fair returned to the home he shared with his fiancée after a long day at work, and upon entering the house, he called for his fiancée, Carla, but received no answer. After a quick search of the house, he headed into the basement where he found Carla's lifeless body. Carla Brown was a gorgeous and very popular 22-year-old girl. Um, she was a cheerleader in high school. And at the time of her death, she was attending college at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, and was working as a server at the local IHOP. Mm. Love me some IHOP. Mm -hmm. Mark and Carla had been dating for about five years when they decided to move in together and they bought a house in Wood River, Illinois, which is a safe residential area, only about 30 minutes outside of St. Louis. Hmm. So they picked out their first house together. They were in the process of moving in. Um, just a little bit about Mark. He was a little bit older than Carla. He had already served in the military and hmm. at this time was working as an apprentice for a construction company. The two of them were absolutely in love with each other. They planned to marry, and according to Carla's sister, she was the happiest she had ever been. On the morning of June 21st, Mark had left to go to work on a construction site, and when he returned home six hours later, he had his friend Tom with him to help them move some stuff into their home. When he gets up to the door and realizes that the door is unlocked, it kind of like irritates him a little bit mm -hmm. because him and Carla had had a conversation about always keeping the doors locked while he was away. Mm -hmm. So he walks into the house and he starts calling out for Carla, but doesn't get a response. So him and Tom are going through the house and Mark assumes that Carla's in the basement unpacking boxes. And when he goes downstairs, he sees the cushions on the couch. They were... Uh, like disheveled, and mm -hmm. there was a trail of blood. And about four feet away is Carla, with her hands tied behind her back, and her head dunked in a 25-gallon can of water. Mark immediately reacts. He pulls her body out of the water, and his friend Tom runs upstairs to call 911. When police arrive... Wait, <clears throat> so she was like... I guess I was confused about this mm -hmm. when I was reading about it. Like, was she, like, hanging yes. over the side of the bucket? Mm-hmm. 
yeah. completely submerged from her belly up kind of thing. Yeah. So like, mm. I would say like her navel, like chest. Okay. navel up. Yeah. Okay. Um. So she's laying flat on the ground, and just that part is submerged into the water. It's a very weird thing. She's laying flat. Yeah, she's laying like, like if she were on flat ground, she'd be laying on her belly. But the top portion of her is okay submerged in Thank water. You. Yeah. So um, when police arrive, Mark is hysterical. He's very obviously upset. I mean, they were ready to settle down. They just start, bought a house. Yeah, they wanted to start this new life together. So. The Wood River Police, after arriving, they called a crime scene technician to come in from the Illinois State Police Office. Um, they weren't used to seeing crimes like this. It's a small, safe neighborhood. So the crime scene tech comes in and essentially is responsible for preserving the scene, you know, taking pictures, collecting evidence. And investigators note that although they can tell from the scene that there clearly was a struggle... There was no sign of forced entry. So they're just like, take a little note of that. Mm-hmm. Um, from the condition of Carla's body, they could see that she fought back uh, as best as she could, mm-hmm. but just simply was overpowered. She was very small. She was 4'11 oh and 100 pounds. So unfortunately, she just There's didn't just stand no a way, chance. Right. Yeah. So, around her neck, they find two men's socks tied in a knot. Um, Like I mentioned before, her hands were tied behind her back with electrical wire. She was nude from the waist down. And her cause of death was ruled as strangulation. The socks were actually so tightly tied around her neck that they had to be cut off. Oh. Um, But, yeah, and then she's just dunked in this bucket of water. It's very strange. Yeah. Like, and why? so it just doesn't well they they're thinking it's it has to be staged that whoever right. killed her is trying to make it appear as if she died in a different way than she really did but like why I don't know I don't know maybe just to throw them off maybe it would make their job harder they think hmm. I don't know it's interesting so obviously because Mark is Carla's partner he's at the top of the list at the moment as it goes yeah but. You know, he had an airtight alibi, he was at work, had plenty of witnesses, never left anybody's sight, Um, and the work site that he was at was about 20 miles away from the house. So then police start to interview the neighbors. Because Carla was killed in broad daylight, they're hoping that someone saw something or heard something. Mm -hmm. So Carla and Mark's neighbor, a man named Dwayne Conway told police that he and a friend had sat outside on the porch for most of the afternoon drinking some beer and smoking some pot. But both Dwayne and his friends said they were totally unaware that anything had happened until police got to Carla's house. Interesting. So while police are still checking with other neighbors, they actually come across the woman who used to live in Mark and Carla's house. She was driving by with her grandson in the car, who was about six or seven during this time, and I think she, I think he said he was taking her to, like, taking him to a dentist appointment, and kind of just says, oh, let's go to our old house, like, let's pull up there and see, you can see where we used to live. Mm -hmm. And so they do, and they see Carla and another man 
discussing something in the driveway. So, and they're driving by slowly, so they get a decent look at the guy, and they describe him as being a taller guy with long hair and possibly a beard. And this grandmother and grandson are the last people to have ever seen her alive. Besides her killer, obviously. Um, But there was one other person who had spoke to Carla right before her murder. So, this is, I mean, this is all happening in the middle of the afternoon. And as Carla's unpacking boxes, she gets a phone call from her best friend. So, they're talking, and Carla's telling her friend about, you know, how things are going, talking about Mark, just chatting. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the conversation, Carla says, someone's here, I gotta go. After that, all of the other phone calls that she received that day went unanswered. So, because of that, that's kind of how they determined her cause, or her time of Mm -hmm. death. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he, her body was found around 5.30 by Mark. When he got home from work and she stopped answering her phone after noon. So they believe she was killed around that time. So police now know that they need to figure out who this guy was that Carla was seen talking to in her driveway. Another guy that they look into is one of her acquaintances, a guy named Jack Myers, he had asked Carlisle a few times, and she rejected him every time. Mm-hmm. So, in investigators' eyes, they're thinking that that possibly gives this dude a motive. And he was also known to have some um, incidences of violence against women. So, mm-hmm. and what's interesting is that even Carla's closest friends believed that Jack was the killer. But he passed polygraph. Yeah, fif, fif, fif. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <clears throat> we now know that polygraphs aren't always accurate, but during this time, they put a lot of weight yeah. into those results. Yeah. So, because he passed, they marked him off the list. Uh, they also looked into Carla's stepfather, a guy named Joe Shepard. He had a little bit of a record. He was only married to Carla's mother for a short period of time. And the relationship didn't end on good terms. Carla's sisters kind of described him as just being a really mean person. And Hmm. some of Carla's friends had claimed that this stepfather had made sexual advances towards them Mm. while spending the night at Carla's house. Unfortunately, there's no evidence linking him to the murder. So... They have to rule right. them out. Police, though, are really interested in the neighbor, Dwayne, and his friend. His friend was a man named John Pranty. And they're mostly looking into them because when they interviewed Dwayne, he tells them, yeah, we were out on the porch all afternoon. But from Dwayne's porch is a clear shot of Carla's house. So police are wondering, you know, how is it possible that you didn't see or hear anything? Mm -hmm. So they ask both Dwayne and John to come in and take a polygraph. John Pranty passes and again states that he knows absolutely nothing about Carla's murder. Dwayne's test comes back inconclusive. Hmm. Although, you know, during this time they did put a lot of trust in polygraph tests, 
they can't arrest someone solely based on the fact that they didn't pass the test with Mm -hmm. flying colors. And also around the time of Carla's murder, there was a slew of sex crimes and Mm. break-ins in that area. So police start to think that they possibly have a serial rapist on the loose. And shortly after her death, the Wood River police chief resigned after it was discovered that he had hidden 14 cases of sexual assaults from the public. Uh, what? <sighs> yeah. So police are investigating Carla's case. And while they're doing that, there's another break-in just a few blocks away from Carla and Mark's house. A man breaks into a house and sexually assaults the woman who lives there. Thankfully, police are able to make an arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy's name was Tony Garza. He admits to police that although he's responsible for some of these rapes and break-ins, he has never killed anyone. But Tony really fit the description of the man that was seen that in the driveway. Right. right. So... Once they arrested him, police also received statements from two of his cellmates who said that Tony had confessed to killing Carla. So police bring Tony back in for questioning, but as he's describing the crime scene, it's like nowhere near what had actually taken place. So, and it's disappointing because they thought for sure that they had a break in the case. It just turns out to be... A dud. Right. Again. They just didn't have any solid evidence to link anyone on their suspect list to Carla's murder. And as a result, her case goes cold. So just over two years after Carla's murder, a new man is elected as the new um, state's attorney for Madison County, which Mm -hmm. is where Wood River is located, and his name is Don Weber. Don said that on his first day in the office, the first thing he did was grab the box containing all of the information on Carla's case. He put it on his desk and said, we're going to solve this case. So Don Weber comes in and he forms a task force to try and solve Carla's murder. And this is what I think is really interesting One of the investigators on Carla's case had the opportunity to attend, like, a presentation that was being given by a man named John Douglas. Mm -hmm. Now, John Douglas is an FBI agent who is very well known for pretty much discovering the term serial killer. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the 70s. Serial killers are at, like, an all-time high in America. Mindhunter. Yes, I was going to ask if you've seen that. Mm -hmm. It's so good. It's so good. It is such a fucking good show. It really is. I'm so sad they're not coming back with season three. (sighs) So, Agent Douglas, he's pretty much responsible for developing, like, psychological profiles for the FBI to understand the minds of serial killers. Mm -hmm. He went around the country interviewing serial killers Uh, Ed Kemper, Ted Bundy, Charles Manson. Mm -hmm. And from this, he's, he was compiling information that would better help them analyze evidence and crime scenes to try and figure out 
what kind of person right. could potentially commit these these kinds of crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in Mindhunter, it's... Uh, Ed Kemper's a big one that he spends a lot of time Oh, yeah, with. yeah, yeah. Um, but what the fuck is his name? Holden. Mm-hmm. Holden Ford mm-hmm. is loosely based off from Agent... John Douglas. Uh, John Douglas. Yeah. Right. So, anyways, they present Carla's case to Agent Douglas. Mm-hmm. And he offers them some really incredible insight. Like, I almost think this man is psychic. <laughs> He's so good at his job. It's crazy. So, here's what Agent Douglas had to say. He said, you know, whoever this this person is that killed Carla... He's a white male between 25 and 30 years old. He was living or visiting within one or two houses near Carla's house. He was in the Navy. He had some sort of experience with um, some sort of electrical experience because, remember, her hands are tied Mm -hmm. with electrical wire. He's a loser with women. He can't handle rejection. Uh, He probably stayed around the area for about a month before leaving, and he was probably driving, like, a beat-up red or orange car. Like... Most likely a Volkswagen. I don't know where he's pulling this shit from, but, like, it's crazy accurate, and it it freaks me out. It's so weird. It's so strange. it's so cool. It really is, but it's, it's so strange. Like, how do you narrow it down that much like with the color yeah of a stinking car oh my god so some more advice that agent douglas gave to these investigators is that they needed to get carla's case out in the media as much as possible mm-hmm. he said you know this killer is complacent he thinks that he got away with it right but once he sees carla's murder back in headlines it'll make him nervous mm-hmm so much so that he'll probably call you on the phone because he's so obsessed with needing to know what's going on in the case. But when he does call, he'll disguise it by saying, you know, I'm just a witness. I don't want to be considered a suspect. (laughs) Right? (sighs) So wild. So obviously this meeting with Agent Douglas has given them so much insight And the ability to look into Carla's case with a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. And another thing that they do is meet with a forensic expert who, at the moment, was kind of in the process of discovering, like, how to analyze a crime scene by using computer technology Mm -hmm. to enhance crime scene Mm -hmm. photos. Mm -hmm. So this uh, investigator's on... This investigator on Carla's case brings some photos from the crime scene for this expert to look at using this very new technology, and they find something that everyone had totally missed the first time. The expert looking at these pictures notices bite marks on Carla's neck and collarbone that were somehow totally overlooked by police and the autopsy uh, examiners. I don't know. Uh, yeah, when I was reading about that too, I was like, 
How in the heck? Well, it almost makes me wonder because she did have very severe bruising around her neck because of the strangulation. Yeah. Interesting. But then how would you be able to see it in a stinking photo of the crime scene? Or is this like autopsy photos? It's crime scene photos, but they, they basically said, you know, we need to get better pictures. Um, and I don't know, like, if the technology that they had, like, turned the photos into negatives and kind of, like, revealed, mm, like, interesting things you can't see. I don't know right. how that works, but... Um, regardless. Regardless, they overlooked these bite marks, which, as... All of us true crime connoisseurs know bite marks are almost as identifiable as fingerprints. Mm-hmm. So Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. 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 Agent Douglas mm-hmm. suggested exhuming Carla's body. So they they go to Carla's family and ask for permission, and they explain the situation. And of course, Carla's family wants to do anything they can help with the investigation. Right. So they agree. So now... How many years has it been now? At this point, it's been two years. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so now that they have everyone on board, they exhume Carla's body to re-examine it. Um, another thing that the pathologist this time finds that was missed the first time is that Carla's cause of death, they ruled it as drowning and not strangulation. So they believe that she was still alive when she was placed in the with her face in the bucket of water. So they have this new evidence. They have the insight that Agent Douglas provided. They start to piece it together because this was someone who was, you know, probably comfortable with the area. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they revisit the neighbors again. Dwayne Conway, and his friend John Pranty. Police bring Dwayne back in. Because remember, his test... Yes, his polygraph test was inconclusive, and John Pranty passed. So they bring Dwayne back in. He's fucking shaking in his boots. He's nervous as hell. And, you know, even though he's obviously anxious about all of this, he's still adamant that he had nothing to do with Carla's murder. And then, in the middle of the interview with Dwayne, investigators receive a phone call. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. It was John Pranty. Way. Hey, y'all. And I'm a witness. This is, yeah, he says, I was a witness to this, but I don't want to be considered a suspect. <laughs> How fucking crazy. Like, literally while... (sighs) While they're in the interview with Dwayne, who they think is probably the person who Mm -hmm. did it because he's the neighbor. John Pranty is just a a friend. friend. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They get that phone call. And then it clicks. (sighs) So, and that just confirmed everything that Agent Douglas said was going to happen. That's why I said he's almost like a fucking psychic. Like, how can you be that good at your Uh, job? uh, that's crazy. I, it's predicting that, like, yeah. the future. That's, that, that is exactly <laughs> how that works. <laughs> um, I know, it's just wild. It really is. 
So their interest in John Pranty is obviously renewed. One of the things that police needed to find out first was what kind of car John was driving at the time. Mm. And amazingly, it was an old beat-up red Volkswagen. How did Agent Douglas know that? I don't fucking know. Is he still alive? I don't think so. We should look more into him. Yeah. We should. He's an interesting guy. And he worked on... uh, Worked on so many infamous cases. So many high-profile cases. Yeah. He's a smart dude. You gotta be. He's 78. He's still kicking it? That's what it sounds like. Nice. Good for you, John. He helped solve over 5,000 cases in his 48-year career. 5,000 cases? Over 5,000 cases. Oh my god. That That's is incredible. Nuts. We should do like a a series. We should. A John series. I wonder if you can find those interviews. JD. I'm in JD. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um wow. So yeah, he's John Pronti's driving, you know, just the red Volkswagen very casually. And beat up? It is It is very beat up, yeah. And police know that with this new bite mark evidence, the way to rule out any suspect is to get an impression of their teeth. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. They got an impression of both Dwayne and John's teeth. They sent the cast to an expert in New York. And this expert looked at the cast of John Pranti's teeth, took some measurements, compared it to the crime scene photo, and said, this is your guy. That's crazy how they can do that. Yeah. And now police have the evidence they need to arrest John Pranti. Um, So once he was arrested, there were some witnesses that had come forward claiming to have heard John talking about the crime. And from the stories that he was telling these people, it was clear that he knew more than he should have. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that uh, Carla's hands were tied behind her back, that she was dunked in this bucket of water. These were details that were not publicized. So, you know, you obviously couldn't know it unless you were at the crime scene. Um, some of John's friends had also talked about how he just could not accept rejection from women, which, you know, is another thing Agent Douglas said to look out for. Right. So the theory that they have of what took place on the day of Carla's murder is that John Pronti had gone over to talk to her in the hopes of having sex Mm -hmm. with her. And this is likely when the grandmother and grandson saw the two of them speaking in the driveway. Right. Uh, Carla rejected him, and they started an argument which proceeded into the basement of Carla's house, where things got physical and, you know, John just, Pronti obviously yeah. took her life. So, like I said earlier, I don't know what his goal was with staging the crime scene. Um, but, and they and then they, they don't really, I haven't found an explanation for it. Um, the only thing I can think of is that he's trying to make their job as difficult as possible. Who knows? But... 
you know, Agent Douglas was pretty much spot on about everything. That's wild. Like we talked about earlier, uh, the electrical wire. John had experience, electrical experience. He was also in the Navy um, because the electrical wire was tied in a Navy knot. So that's why Agent Douglas pointed that out. Wow. So John went on trial in 1983. He was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to 75 years in prison. Throughout this entire thing, he continued to maintain his innocence and even made several attempts to appeal his sentence. He was eventually granted parole in December of 2019, and he was released from prison after serving less than 38 years of his 75-year sentence. Why? I have no idea. And that pisses me off. What is he doing now? I don't know what he's doing now, but he still lives in Illinois. Like, his lawyers claim that he was wrongly convicted. Do they have, like, a good... A good case on a good, it? Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> There's an article from The Telegraph. Out of prison, John Pranty is still trying to clear his name in 1978 murder of Carla Brown in Wood River. Judge Block's latest try. So he is 63 right now. Well, um... He tried to file a second post-conviction petition, which would prove his innocence, is what he thinks. Um, And the petition refers to the bite mark, which is how they convicted him. Mm -hmm. And they allowed Pranty off for good behavior. Because it says, at the time of his sentence, the truth in sentencing law was not in effect. So Pranty was allowed a day off his sentence for every good day that he served. (laughs) That's, you're getting almost 35 years off your sentence for every good day out of the 35 years that you've spent in prison. What? I've never heard about that. Me neither. Like, what is this? That um, is ridiculous. But yeah, he filed this petition and it was dismissed by the judge, thankfully. <sighs> yeah. So. He looks like a fucking creep. I know. The pictures of when it happened. Just like. Yeah. Bleh. Yeah, they showed that on the on the documentary I was watching and it made me Ew. throw it in my mouth. He looks like a serial killer. He looks like. fucking creep yeah yeah and obviously he was kill this woman because she didn't want to fuck me yeah how fucked up is that wow so yeah that is the case of carla brown if you haven't seen body in the basement i'm watching the third episode right now the second episode is a case that i also want to cover But yeah, it's a good show if you're into that kind of thing, which if you're here, you probably are. So. <laughs> I thought you were asking me. I was like, 
Nah. <laughs> no. Not really into it. <laughs> yeah. It's not really my cup of tea. Don't really but... like odd things. Yeah, this is too strange for me. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good show. It's on Discovery Plus. That's where, you know, I heard about it because I've never heard about her case mm-hmm. before. Bodies in the basement? I, I think it's just body in the basement. Body in the basement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. And I thought her case was interesting just because of, like, the involvement that Agent Douglas had. He is a very interesting man. He is. Yeah. I really want to look more into him. Mm-hmm. I bet there's a good book or something. I was going to say, I wonder if there's any books about it. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to find out. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Yeah, for sure. All right, friends. Thanks for being here. Remember to um, 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 send in any listeners. Yeah, I was going to say, remember to, well, actually, what I was going to say is remember to rate us five stars on whatever platform you're listening on because uh, that, like, gets us up in the ranks, which was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Should we share share the news? Well, we have two things. We've hit 75,000 streams, which is crazy because I feel like just just a few episodes, we just hit 50. But I had that viral video about Amy Lynn Bradley go viral. Uh The viral video that went viral. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I fucking get it. You you went viral. I'm viral, goddammit. No, I think that definitely contributed to it because it's such an interesting case. And I still stand by the fact that that's my favorite episode that we've done. So if you haven't listened to it, go check it out. I think it was two episodes ago. I think, or maybe three. Because I think we did Skinwalker. No, Mm. that was after. Anyways. Recent. (laughs) Yeah. We did it. (laughs) We done did it. And um, what else was I going to say? I've gotten a few more listener tales. So nice. we might honestly like be able to pump one out. I think we should do one as a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. I think we just because I feel bad about last week <laughs> we and about our fucking Patreon. I was gonna ask you about that. Um, yeah, so I got it to work, but the issue that I'm having is that the videos that we've been filming to do our minis mm-hmm. are too long. So I can only upload the audio of our minis, and I feel like that kind of sucks. So I was going to ask you, you know, what your thoughts were. I would just put it up. Just put up the audio Mm -hmm. and the pictures and Mm -hmm. videos. Maybe, like, a link to the YouTube thing or something. I don't know. Yeah, but if it's on YouTube, then it's not, like, private access just for our Patreons. It'd be public. Oh. You know what I mean? Well, that's Patreon. It's not really videos. Yeah. Well, I just knew you have more experience with Patreon than I do as far as, I don't ever watch any videos. Okay, that's good to know. Because I felt bad, and I was like, No, I've just been, like, play and listen. Okay, sweet. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so so send in your listener tales to listenertales at gmail.com. I think that's it. Pretty much. Right? Patreon. Listener Tales. Five star. Give us five star rating. Tell us you love us. Yes. <laughs> Alright, well, that's that's all we got for you. So, um, I hope everyone has a beautiful, lovely, sunny week. And remember to always, always keep, keep it spooky. spooky.